The Pellicle Podcast is supported by our Patreon subscribers. If you'd like to support our website, podcast and magazine, please visit patreon.com forward slash pellicalemag. I'm Matthew Curtis, and this is the Pellicle Podcast. Welcome to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Curtis, and over the next hour, we'll be digging into some of our favourite topics. Beer, wine, cider, along with the food and travel that goes hand in hand with these experiences. Today's episode, our first, is a pilot of sorts. As we launch this podcast and begin to find our feet, I could think of no better place to start than discussing Pellicle itself. How it got started, what motivates us, and what are our plans for the future? With this in mind, I sat down with my co-founder, Johnny Hamilton, opened a few bottles and switched the mics on. As well as being a general enthusiast when it comes to his beers, wines, ciders and food, Johnny is also an accomplished brewer. He studied his masters in brewing and distilling at Edinburgh's prestigious Harriet Watt University and until recently was the manager of Beavertown's Tempest barrel aging project. In September 2019, he relocated to Edinburgh where as well as continuing to work with me on Pellicle, he's also helped to set up a new wine shop called Spry. And he's in the process of establishing a new brewery with friends called New Barns. I may be biased, but it's definitely an opening to keep on your radar for 2020. So whatever you're doing, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You're listening to The Pellicle Podcast. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers. This is the first ever episode of the Pellicle Podcast. What is the Pellicle Podcast, Matthew? Well, it's it's our new podcast for our magazine, Pellicle. Uh, so we, we launched our magazine um, on the 1st of May, mm-hmm. which is online only at the moment, uh, pellicalemag.com. Um, and when we were planning it, we you wanted to do a print magazine, which we'll talk about lots more um, throughout the next hour. Um, and I, uh, I wanted to do a website. Um, I wanted to do a, like a, like a blog. Um, uh, I had a terrible idea just to, to, to re, to revitalize my old blog or start a new one and just like talk about my experience. But, um, I quickly put that to one side when we, we should talk about how, how the idea came along and what Pellicle was in a moment. But, um, for me, when we started Pellicle, having a podcast was an integral part of that because what I noticed about people is some people love to read stuff, which is great. That's how I like to consume stuff mostly. Um, but most uh, people I spoke to said, oh, I, I prefer podcasts. Um, and it's such a growing media. And I also have a background in audio. So I've, like, you know, I've literally got microphones and stuff. Um, and 
I just had this idea to, to it would be really complementary to what we're doing. In fact, I think you have to have a podcast if you're doing a magazine because some people just don't have time to read it. So if you're commuting to work now or you're, you're doing the gardening or you're walking around somewhere listening to us on your headphones, uh, thank you because um, you might if you might not have read the site yet and you might be discovering us for the first time. If you have read the site as well, that's brilliant. Let us tell you about the print magazine we've got coming out. Um, so we just want to make sure that Pellicle is... is easily consumable um, for as many people as possible, whether that's by audio, by reading uh, the the site, or by reading um, uh, the magazine when that comes out next year. Um, And, yeah, it's... uh, What I'm going to try and do with the podcast is release two series, or maybe three if I have time a year, but probably two series of eight episodes each, with a few specials mixed in. So after the first series, there's some panel talks I did at FineFest. So that'll come, like, not long after the first series. Um, uh, they won't be part of the first series because there's other panel talks I recorded before that that will be. But there's eight episodes. Um, uh, this one's going to be... You're going to hear from me and Johnny as we talk about what we're trying to do with Pellicle. Uh, so people can hopefully always come back to this episode and go, oh, they weren't very good at podcasting on episode <laughs> one. <laughs> But they got they they gradually figured it out. But um, what what I'm doing with this series is experimenting with different types of episode. Um, so there's some interviews. Um, in a couple of them, you might hear me reading some of the articles from from Pellicle. I'm going to do it really close to the microphone. Um, uh, I've got an, I've got a narrative style episode about leads, which I'm really excited about. It's got four interviews, and I'm going to cut in some commentary in between that. It's going to take me ages to put together. I've got a panel talk. Um, and there's some like lost episodes of, of podcasts I recorded for another podcast I used to do that never got aired and it would be a shame um, to waste those I think I've only got one actually that I'm, I'm going to put out it's going to be a bit more business centric than maybe Pellicle is because Pellicle as we will discuss isn't really um, a business magazine we're, we're very much for, for drinkers and people who like to eat and drink really tasty things speaking of which before we go on we should really talk about this this beer we're drinking, uh, which is from Creature Comforts in Athens, Georgia. Um, because Pellicle is about, like, what's in your glass at the end of the day, really. That's that's what excites me. Is I'm that like, our tagline? We have recommend, we've never recommended by the tagline. <laughs> we haven't. Is that our tagline now? It's about what's it in the glass. <laughs> yeah. Can we get that on a T-shirt? We were just discussing what to put on T-shirts. Um, it's a work in progress. So um, this was a gift from Blake and Adam uh, at Creature Comforts, who were over at Cla- for Cloudwater's Friends and Family and Beer Festival. Um, they poured some amazing beers. Uh, their IPA, Tropicalia, as seen in The Avengers, because uh, Thor likes to drink a bit of trop, um, as, they, as it's known. Um, so if you watch Avengers Endgame when he's... Uh, in New Asgard, he is drinking Creature Comforts beer. And that's is that a spoiler? Is that integral to the plot? I've not watched. It's not integral to the plot. <laughs> it means it means it probably means that in the MCU, Blake and Adam from Creature Comforts didn't get erased by the snap. So well done. Um, and um, but apparently Chris Hemsworth, because they filmed a lot of it in Athens, in well, no, in Atlanta, in Georgia, near Athens. I just realised that Georgia's got a mad connection to to Greece. Has it? Yeah, never mind. Okay. Yeah, we got this... Well, you got this from Mm -hmm. Blake and Adam, who I'd never met um, before. I'd had their beers previously at McKellar 2018 in Copenhagen. And yeah, met them over there and they were nice, but 
we went to a raw wine fair. Is that what this? We did. We went. We we went to a raw wine fair with them. Uh, we had a good day, didn't we? On yeah, the it's a great day. On I the think. tannin bombs until the tannin was no more. Then then we went to Dishoom. Well, actually, we had a long day. We actually went started the day at uh, breakfast. Koya. Koya bar. We, yeah, we had a good day. So we went to Koya in Soho. Had breakfast udon, which is actually one of the best things you can have for breakfast. I discovered. I had kedgeri. It was pretty delicious. I had um, udon noodles with bacon and eggs in it. Yeah, it was like the breakfast, English breakfast uh, noodles. Mm. And then we went to Raw Wine for a few hours um, and... Had Marksman buns for lunch. Marksman buns. Ate some cheese. I drank a lot of wines. Um, I drank a lot of Guttergau wines from Austria, which I was very enamoured with. And uh, Fulani in Italy, that they struck a chord with me. Yeah. They're sort of soft, peachy coloured wines, lovely pet nats from Italy. Yeah, we had a lot of those pouring at the event we did in Edinburgh a few weeks ago yeah but yeah uh, we learned a lot about palate fatigue that day oh, <laughs> uh, yeah what yeah. drinking hundreds and hundreds of wines I was quite like I, in a really warm room I'm not an, I'm not a spitter and I, I think my experience from that is I'm not very good at spitting oh you've got some of the, the, the get gu- some of the, the get some the of the good stuff of, in there okay I'm going to because it poured quite clear and now it's yeah it's we're drinking ha- uh, I don't think Matt actually said what the beer is it's a grisette um, which is part of their so I assume Creature Comforts have like a mixed firmy kind of side to their company uh, yes that's so So they have a, a barrel program which is what Blake so I know Blake because uh, we both used to work for a website called Good Beer Hunting uh, and he still does he wrote a fantastic article on THP or yeah. mouse as it's sometimes known uh, tetrahydropyridine there's none in this uh, there is none in this um, but um so this beer is uh, uses raw wheat from a local farm called Dayspring Farms. The beer is called Dayspring, uh, and it's just a nice. I think it's mixed firm. It's just a nice clean uh, grisette. It's five point three. It's in a seven fifty imperial grisette. That's what I would describe that as five point three imperial grisette. Um, so using locally grown raw wheat, it initially poured really clear. It's now like super hazy once the yeast from the I prefer oh, it with the haze in it. Oh, it's all the funks in the in the bottom. Yeah, this is what produced or bottled in two thousand seventeen. Uh, probably bottled in two thousand seventeen. I would say this is my jam. This is delicious. I could drink. I, I wish there were more beers out there like this. Just like low ABV. Like you can taste the yeast. You can taste like the subtlety of the malt. Um, it's not really a hoppy beer, but there's just enough dryness at the back of the palate. It's like, it's, yeah. It's almost wine-like in a way, like, it the way it drinks. Is, there, is, it, is it an oak at all? No? I don't know. Just I don't think stainless? so. I don't think so. Yeah. I've only met Blake that day. And yeah. Yeah. He's very kindred spirit. He's, yeah. They're good guys. And Creature Comforts make some great beer. The other beer I had at Cloudwater's Festival, Friends and Family and Beer, in March, they poured was Fogelay where they had used, um, so there were no grapes in it, but they'd taken the Gamay grape profile and got, I think it was black cherries, raspberries and blackberries. Sorry, guys, if that's wrong, but there were three fruits that mimicked the palate of a Gamay. And then it was like a, it's quite high ABV, I think. Um, But it tasted like Gamay. Like, it tasted like Beaujolais. And there was no grape involved it was a very clever little experiment one of my favorite beers of the year because it was just delicious um 
but and again they're and they're IPA. I had a really funny experience. I was volunteering at the festival pouring some beers and um Jeff Bagby of Bagby Beer Co., formerly of Pizza Port, one of the uh guys who basically invented the West Coast IPA, he came up to me and said, oh, I'll try the Tropicalia and I'm like, Oh, have you tried this before, Jeff? No, he hadn't. And he's like, Can you tell me a bit about it? So I start talking about how it's kind of like a West Coast IPA, but a bit more up to date. And I stop myself and say, hang on, I can't really explain this to you because uh, you, you basically one of the people yeah. that pioneered the style. Just try it. And he's like, yes, this is very good. So that was, I think that's Creature Comforts, Jeff Bagby, liked your IPA. Um, but uh, that's how we got this this bottle of Dayspring. Um, so thanks, Blake and Adam. And uh, I look forward to drinking more Creature Comforts beers next year when they're back in, back in the UK. They're, they're a fantastic brewery. The Brett profile on this, because it's super Bretty, um, reminds me of. It took me. A while. I was trying to figure out for a while. I don't know if you saw me n- n- smelling it for quite a long time, but uh, there was a beer that De La Sen did a few years ago with Melissa Cole, mm-hmm. and it was uh, yeah, like a saison, a wheat saison. I think it was specifically like it was a wheat saison, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Bretted, and uh, yeah, it's got a really similar Brett character. It's like leathery. I get that. It's leathery. But it reminds me a lot of De La Sen's Bretty Beers, which they don't do that many. It's like Brooks Alensis. Yeah, the, yeah. The De La Sen beer. It's probably Brooks, but... Yeah. It's, yeah. The, what I like about this is the Brett's not really in your face. It's very subtle, and it, but it gives it that sort of almost like tannin-y... Yeah. It might be on oak. I don't think it is. I don't but think it's got it that. is. It's, just, it's very drying in the finish. Yeah, I mean, it's probably bone dry, but the... There is a the carbonation is delicious as well. It's probably bottle conditioned, but it's yeah, it's, it's like super. It's really nice, sort of champagne like small bubbles, really well carbonated. It's been in the bottle for a few years. It's been in my little little cupboard slash cellar for a, since uh, February March time, um, and it's it's doing really well. I'm enjoying it. We ended up that day of a a very classy day of having. Quite well known, Koya Bar is fairly respectable, respected restaurant in in Soho, and then we went to Raw Wine, had a very you know classy time, and then we ended up having uh, a, a, some lager. But then we had a, a bowl of cocktail. Oh yeah, so we went to Deschamps, and it was I think it was raining outside, and no one wanted to queue. And, and my thing with Deschamps, great restaurant, I love all, I love. It's brilliant, but the queue is a, a lie. The queue is never as long. When they say it's an hour and a half, what they mean never is listen to the you'll, queue. you'll be drinking cocktails in twenty minutes. Um, and but it works really well because it, it filters out people who really want to go from people who are like maybe going to go. So, uh, but I don't. I'm not a fan of this policy at all. I want to. I want to book a table. I want to go to a restaurant. Uh, but says that we're also going after we this to a restaurant <laughs> that does not take bookings. Yes, we are. So we're going to go and queue, queue, queue for Black X Mangal because Johnny's going to Edinburgh. I'm very sad. I'm probably going to drink some bourbon and cry later, Aww. just so you know. But um, I, I do that a lot anyway. <laughs> it's just, At home, just, just yeah. on a Wednesday. Yeah, not on a Wednesday. I wait till the weekends these days. Um, but. Uh, it's that that time when we went to the shoe we did drink a bowl of cocktail and we had a lot it was lo- a Sunday night as well was it a Sunday oh god they were heading off in the morning I, I had work so I had a week I, I was flying up to Inverness actually I, I was fine I spent a week well uh, about three or four days hanging out with them we went to P. Franco which they like they loved Blake 
Blake, who's really into his natural wine, went to Braun, one of my favourite spots in London, to sp- drop like 140 quid on some Jura it was, nonsense. Uh, Pierre over Noir. Uh, yes, we're going to drink some some lovely Jura wine when we finish this uh, uh, this beer, actually. Um, but um, no, it's a good it's good to talk about that time because that was we we had basically got half a website built, hadn't we? This was things were happening. We were doing oh, Pellicle. Yeah. And we were starting to talk about it. To well, we got well. I I I got in via press pass of a non-existent website, so that was pretty. Yeah, fun. yeah. That's literally your first press experience. That's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, so we we had started building this website, but I think we should wind back a bit and talk about. Um, I think what a lot of people don't know is because people know me as a beer writer, they they they, they automatically assume that Pellicle was my idea, but it was not. It was Johnny's idea. Um, so why don't you talk about like what you were going to do? And then how I basically, you basically passed me the football and I just ran for goal with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, by the time this goes out, I, I will no longer be an employee of the company I currently work for. It's not, there's any uh, any scandal or any kind of bad blood there at all. But whenever I, uh, a certain... I think, I think you protest too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> when, winding you up. So in July, June last year, uh, Beaver Town, who, who I currently work for at the time of recording, but by the time this airs, I will not work for... Um, obviously took some investment from Heineken and whilst I don't really have I'm not going to make my, my views that apparent on the podcast we can go into it another time about buyouts and that sort of thing it's not really why maybe I, why I'm leaving anything to do with that but uh, a lot of things changed which meant that my creative freedom at work became less so you know going from you know, the, the collaborations kind of died up a little bit. The We well, had some breweries who wanted their names taken off. I mean, we, let's not go too much yeah, into it. Yeah, it's, it's not really it's, the point it was of Pellicle. T- it, was a, it was a tough, tough time. Yeah, it was, it was not it was really, weird. Yeah, it was weird. It was not really the same kind of, uh, you know, every, like my emails are blowing up every day about, you know, having to brew with other half and brewing with Trillium and all the big, we, we, we brewed with everyone. It was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, post- June last year things kind of died off there was obviously a lot of issues with the extravaganza and a lot of people dropped out it was quite a hard year and I still had fun but you know whenever you're used to brewing X amount of recipes per year and putting your creative that's your creative outlet I kind of got to this point at the end of the year where I was like really kind of stagnated here I mean I don't really know what I want to do Um, I've always been into magazines uh, I already said in my uh, when we had the launch in May and I did my speech Matt had written a really beautiful speech that he'd actually written down I just ad-libbed talked about the Beano quite a bit did uh, you write a speech? I think so you at least had something written down on paper of who to thank I had thank yous yeah yeah but you, you've probably done a speech or two before I, I talked about how my love of the Beano and the Dandy as a kid uh, were a direct influence on the uh, on owning a magazine now so there you go but um it's not yeah. company's house it's real it's official but ever ever <laughs> ever since i was a kid it was all i i, I'm, I have a pretty bad attention span i'm not really a big reader of books but i always loved magazines so whenever i was a kid it started with the beano and the same. i i am i'm the, i'm the same it takes a very good book for me to to read the whole thing and then you know it was it was music magazines it was the, it was kerrangs and enemies and that sort of stuff and then it was then it was skateboarding magazines, and then I kind of dropped off a bit during university because I was obviously when you're reading so much for uh, your your you, students. This is when you're studying brewing, brewing chemistry, studying. chemistry, and then brewing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you find very little time to read, and whenever you're reading, 
your last thing you want to read about when you're studying brewing and distilling is, a, is anything on brewing or distilling or anything at all really I mean I went on holidays after I graduated in Italy and the only books I took with me were books on brewing and it was just like this is the worst thing I've ended up in the, like a resort in well in the south of Italy with nothing to do apart from reading and the only books I brought were wooden beer and wild brews and American sour beer moved to Edinburgh down to, to London for to work at Beer Town and kind of got involved with uh, more into like when you, you kind of moved down here the food and drink scene so amazing not that Edinburgh's not and it's definitely growing and it's incredible but, but London, London is I think it's, when I've had a lot of Americans visit me recently and have taken some spots London is ridiculous at the moment for I, food and drink I think the thing that I'm going to miss the most about moving back to Edinburgh is there's like a mid-level food and drink scene that exists that is hard that you don't get in other places maybe not you get it in other parts of the world but in the UK it's there's 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 cheap food so there's high dining and there's that kind of like it's a bit of a it's not quite a, like P. Franco's not like a once a year kind of treat but no. I go quite a lot but it's not cheap but it's not out of the realms of possibility it's you can you, you can just decide to go there on a weeknight I think like two of my favourite spots in London are, are, are St. John um, and, and the ethos of St. John is, is a big inspiration f- for, for Pellicle like their, their, their focus on on um, like on food and drink and the way they present it to people uh, as, as joyous like we have a Fergus Henderson quote on our about page because it's just like yes that is there's like it's all about deliciousness um, so you know uh, I've been lucky enough to go to St. John twice this year but it is just a treat it's it's a lot of money and then when you go you get everything yeah but the bar side is so cheap it, it, it's good value I wouldn't say cheap I would say I would what go as far is. as cheap I mean rare bits like seven eight yeah quid. I guess so and it's filling I mean I went to St. John for the first time the day I had just my just disproved my but, but the restaurant side the of restaurant John. side yeah but St. It's John like you don't need an Eccles cake but you've got to have the Eccles cake and like you've got to have the you've got to have the bone marrow, and then what's on that's not usually on. Oh, but then they've got devil kidneys on. You've got to get that as well. Uh, you've got to get the rare bit. You, you went there at the same time. Was that you? you I, I took Blake and Adam yeah, there yeah. Uh, from Creature Comforts uh, with uh, with with Claire Bullen as well from Good Beer Hunting. We 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 ate so much drank a lot. A lot. But the, the, so when it, my experiences in the restaurant it's are quite decadent. indulgent. Yeah. Like, yeah. But St. Like John waking from, up at three a.m. with the meat sweats. Yeah, which will, which I'll probably do. I'm expecting tonight. that we're going to Black Axe Mango. Yeah. We're going to have it tonight. So St. So St. John for me actually was the whenever I came down to London for an impromptu. I wasn't down here for an interview before Beaver Town. Ended up getting an interview uh, on an off chance by into Logan, and took myself I in St. John. No, no, <laughs> the interview was at work, but um, or at Beaver Town. But I took myself as like a that's unexpected I guess I'm going to move down to London and work for Beaver Town treat to St John which I'd heard about a lot there was a fantastic restaurant that friends of mine were involved with in Edinburgh at the time called Blackfriars mm-hmm. which sadly is uh, no longer it hasn't been uh, open since I, like 2015 but it's now owned uh, it's now Salt Horse which is a great bar and bottle shop but back then it was very much like if you if you had been to St John and you went to Blackfriars you're like that these guys are inspired. They had the donuts on the bar, they had the bar food side, and they had the uh, the restaurant side. But for me, in Edinburgh at the time, that was the 
the only place that had that kind of bar side high end food done really well that you can afford like on like a brewer's salary. Mm. Outside of that, there wasn't very many places like that in, in Edinburgh. It was very much like you've got your kitchens and you've got your your timber yards, which is fantastic, but there and then you've got your kind of pizza restaurants and your you know, Vietnamese food. Yeah. But there's not that kind of like thirty pound dinner. It was very much like a 10, 15 pound dinner or like a 70, 80, 100 pound dinner. So uh, P. Franco and like their little empire of, uh, I call it an empire, they've got three places. Sorry guys. Uh, but Peg, their new place, that's just like the like casual dining, but mm. like, you know, if you want to spend 30 pounds and have a glass of wine and some, some nice things to eat, you can. If you want to get something further up the bottle list and go for yeah. it you can do it in there we went there the other day and they had Slurp Bram from Copenhagen doing a pop up on a very very humid day I had to go out of the restaurant during dinner to buy a new t-shirt from the night outlet because I was <laughs> prof- sweating so profusely um, that I was just so embarrassed it's so handy that, that did you get a dry fit t-shirt like like sweat wicking the cheapest white t-shirt which was <laughs> still £13 but it was the best £13 I've ever spent because I was just standing there in the middle of this rest. It was hot day. They're cooking ramen. There's that 38 degree. Was it that day? No, it wasn't no. that day. They okay. closed the kitchen that day. But we had ramen that was delicious. We had a few little things. We had a glass of wine. And then we had like maybe two pints or two like schooners of uh, Keller pills. And it was like, you know, we're paying like 20 some pounds each. And it's like you're eating at an amazing restaurant. That just didn't exist or they sell lost and grounded keller pills at Peg yeah, and Keg. Oh, yeah. that's, I did not know that. That's awesome. It, they have like a, two lines. They had like a kernel and uh, and that. But when I moved down here and started getting involved with that scene, I was like, I I shouldn't be able to afford to eat these places, but I can because it's a nice little treat. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes the edge off a long week, and it's not going to break the bank. But you're still eating like insane food. Yeah, the the, the Peg and P Franco. Yeah. It, insanely good yeah so then I started getting into like that kind of introduced me into like the wine scene I'd worked in a wine shop in Edinburgh but it'd been very much like a classic um you know people coming in looking for New Zealand Sauvignon for like around 12 pound mm. a bottle it was very natural wine wasn't really a thing and the first time I went to P. Franco and got into that and then went down the rabbit hole of subscribing to Noble Rot and kind of re-sparked my interest huge in, inspiration for us Noble Rock yeah I mean it's not uh, there's no kind of hiding behind the inspiration of that magazine and that no. bar that's um, where we had our first meeting isn't it uh, yeah so, and actually because it's gone up to £18 now but it was £16 oh, for two course, two course lunch yeah. per, per person um, I think the money we saved we, we might have spent on wine we definitely had some grower champagne because really? we were like launching a we have fucking champagne. magazine, so we're like, why not? And oysters, and then a bottle yeah. of... We don't do that all the time. ...of Morgan. It's the only time we've done that. Yeah. We're about to go and do it again tonight. Yeah. But um, I think tonight we'll, we'll be celebrating Johnny moving to Edinburgh. But there's... Um, the but, Yeah, so it rekindled my interest in magazines, and I started being like, okay, so what's like Noble Rock? Because like, it only comes out X amount of times a year. I've read it. It's amazing. What's next? Started getting like... Your, like reading like Bon Appetit and re- reading all these magazines and kind of rekindled that and I realised that by the end of last year mid last year that I'd gone so far down this food magazine publication wine magazines like Pipette and uh, 
other ones in front of us, like uh, Noble Rot, obviously, uh, Glue Glue, that I hadn't been reading anything about beer, but I love beer. It's my job, and I love to drink it. We're drinking beer right now. I'll probably have drank beer the past few days. I love it. Um, but the publication online, there are some great places out there, like Good Beer Hunting, where Matt was writing for, and his own stuff, and... I loved it, but there was print was pretty minimal. There was the free publications that I'm, I'm not going to go on here and slag anyone off or some good stuff, but no one doing something high end. Uh, and and by that I mean something you something you pay for, something that is like something is that you treasure. Because we've actually got a stack of magazines on the table because we've just been discussing our first print issue for next year, and we've got um, so I've got Drift, the coffee magazine. Uh, which is actually it's so big it could be a coffee table itself. We've got some Noble Rots, we've got Pipettes. We've actually got some skate magazines because we're, there's a really good mag scene for skate. Like we've got Vague, uh, got Grey, and um, got Glue Glue. So you, so my memory, my memory is when we when we were in um, Five Miles. Yeah, and we met for met for a drink, and actually we didn't. Uh, we didn't meet for a drink. We just happened to bump into each other, and you actually had this handful of magazines with you. Um, yeah, give me that. Give me that trouble. That's trub. some slurry right there. That is, um, it's going to go right through me. But it's delicious. Um, yeah. Did you edit that out? I don't think I'm going to edit that yeah. out. It's, just, it's, it's what it does to you. We're, drink, we're just drinking the dregs of this Creature Comforts beer. It's so good. So I'm essentially um, propagating myself now with, with the remains of the bottle. Apparently, do you remember, do you, I remember ordering a bottle of the Colonel in 2011... Ten year, they're ten years old next month. Isn't that amazing? In September, the Colonel at ten. Oh, I love those guys. I love their beers. But I remember 2011 being in Mason and Taylor in Shoreditch, now Brewdog Shoreditch, ordering a bottle, 500 ml bottle of the Colonel Pale Ale, and the guy gets a shot glass out with a pint glass, pours the Colonel into the pint glass with a big foam, then stops pouring, and then swirls it up and gets the shot glass and puts the yeast. In the shot in a shot glass and said, "Would you like the yeast?" And uh, I, I said, I, "I guess so." And and I saw it, it. It wasn't in isolation. I saw that happen at North Bar as well. I'm sure. But people used to like specifically with the, the kernel. You drink, yeah, specifically with the kernel. You drink the the yeast as a. Uh, I remember because the for people who don't like know uh, the kernel remedial shot. I kind of I kind of like the flair actually. I kind of assume it, that it everyone listened. it didn't it didn't catch on though. Yeah, I think everyone here know, who listening knows the Colonel, but yeah, I've been going for 10 years, like Matt said, next month, and bottle conditions, IPAs, paleos, table beer, etc., occasionally a double IPA, stouts, but back in the the OG days when they were in the old arch, in like 2009 to 2012, 13... On, like, so they're on Maltby Street first. yeah. Food- yeah. Which is mostly a food market, a completely a food market now. Yeah. But the beers back then had a good, healthy slurry because they were dry. I mean, they don't dry hop particularly heavily, but for those days, it was particularly heavy dry it hop was out there. Yeah, and yeast in the bottle, and you just see on the shelves this kind of like good. I don't want to like a good one to two finger uh, amount of sludge at the bottom. Things have changed. They're they're significantly uh, more clean and amazing still these days. But I remember the first time I saw someone take a swigging in a park from a bottle of the Colonel uh, Paleo, and I was just like, 
that's that's rough. <laughs> you can't be drinking that from the bottle. But no, now, nowadays now I would. Yeah, it's would. fine. But back they, then but it was like they still bottle condition. Yeah, but it's much. Uh, there's, I mean, they've had ten years to refine process, but um, yeah. there's much less of the the trub. Um, but no, uh, winding back to being in five miles, bumping into you, and um, we got quite drunk, I think. And you were talking to me uh, about um, this zine you wanted to do. And you had, and that's when you actually uh, talked to me about some of these magazines. I was already a fan of Noble Rock, but I hadn't heard of, of like Pipette and Glue Glue and some of the others. Um, and you lent me a Glue Glue, which, which is still here on my desk. Um, but uh, that was about, I think that was... October 2018? Uh, it was earlier, it was in September, because I was just about to go to America, which is why I was going to... I'd just come back from America. Yeah, I was heading out to California and Utah and Colorado for the first time. Yes, and, and, I, and I'd just come back from Colorado, yeah. one, of my, one of my regular trips, because I've got my dad who lives over there. And um, oh, you, that trip was amazing. You did So you actually poured beer at Firestone Walker's Terroir te- Fest. Fest. Um, Took some amazing photos, yeah. which you should you should put those on the website. Like, I'll, you should, you, I'll do something with them. Yeah, and then um, you went to High West Distillery. Jesus. Yeah, my friend Isaac, who I studied with at Harriet Watt, is the I guess lead head distiller at right, High West. I, um, love, I love love their rise in particular. Yeah, the 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 campfire whiskey they do, which is a blend of an unknown they can't say well not unknown it's known to them unknown to the public uh, Scotch whiskey. I know it's not Isla. But it's a smoked lowland whiskey that they buy in IBC For the blend. And then they blend it with rye. It's campfire whiskey. Um, it's one of my favorite whiskeys. It's, it's yeah, insane. It's, it's like the perfect... I had yeah, no smoky. idea that the smoke came from... They were importing yeah, Scottish it's, Yeah, it's whiskey. Scotch whisk. whiskey. Um, yeah, they that went, cost them a fortune. No, I mean, it's quite expensive whiskey to buy, but it, I bet it cost them quite a bit yeah. to bring it over. But yeah, I did that, and then I was kind of like, I was flown over there with work to go uh, pour beer at Terroir, and I was like, I'm not going all the way to California for, you know, a festival. I, I'm going to make, like, a three-week trip, so planned to go to L.A., San Diego, see some friends, like, mutual friends of ours, like Andrew, stay with him from... Modern, Modern Times, times. Andrew, Andrew Swartz. Yeah, and stay with my friends from uh, Highland Park in L.A., and my friend Craig, who works at Firestone Walker, and then ended up the trip... Uh, managed to convince work to get a brew with uh, Chad Kruger Steve yes in Denver and then I got to go see did you ever get to try that beer yeah they sent kegs over Hellas it was good well, I never got to try it a little bit of DMS but I mean they're What's at it? It? they're literally a mile above uh, sea level they do a nine minute boil for their standard beers so like brewing lager I mean their, their pilsner is exceptional someone technical needs to write an article not for Pedicle because we're, we're not Maybe maybe it's for us, but someone is right about how what what is like brewing at, at in Colorado and and New Mexico and Wyoming because the out well, like the the boiling point of water is lower because of the altitude. It boils the brew we did at, but it takes longer because of their stupid electricity. I <laughs> yeah, the la- we brewed a lager and it, it boiled at ninety two ninety three degrees. That's mad. bearing in mind that at Beaver Side and the copper reads one hundred and two hundred and three. When it's boring. That's crazy, um, and that's, that's that's another story for another time. But you, so you were out there in in. So out there, i the been US. feeling a bit creatively stifled. Do you want some wine? Yes, please. 
Just keep talking. I'm going to pull uh, someone. Feeling a bit creatively stifled um, and was like, just trying, like, I used to be really into photography. I, at Edinburgh University, I was the president of the Photographer Society, which was like a society of like 300 plus members. It was pretty insane. And then that just kind of fell off completely. Like I'd sold my cameras. I'd, I'd, I sold most of my uh, digital cameras because I needed money um, as a student studying brewing. And cheers. Cheers. This looks delicious. Super light. And there's a little bit of carbonation. Yeah. Like It's got a bit of carbonic going on on the nose there. All that bubble gummy. We're smelling the wine. <laughs> Sorry. I thought we should describe what we're doing. That's delightful. Um, mm. but, Just yeah. to interject in the oh, story, yeah. we talk more about this wine after we've had a few more swigs. Oh, that's delicious. We're drinking a Coach de Jura uh, Pinot Noir. Um, Producer's done the bottom. From uh, Marie-Pierre... Uh, so fasciné. Uh, apologies for that. Uh, I did that very quickly. My French is terrible. Uh, maybe just read it in a comically bad way. Uh, no, because I think that'll be offensive. Uh, only to, to only to people thinking that you can't pronounce French. Uh, I think it's the producer is Grand Bernard. I don't know. The back might be easier. It says Cote de Jura, mise en bottle par Marie Pierre. Uh, Chevalso, Fasciné, Grand Bernard, yeah. But it, yeah, Pinot from the Jura. Yeah. Because perhaps because uh, we're we're hip and with it, and everyone loves the Jura at the moment because everyone's like, like really into this region. I think people would probably know the Jura more for Vanjon, which ah, uh, I love Vanjon. Which I is a, discovered it about a year ago, but it's like pretty intense though. I mean, it's not like uh, you see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best thing I've ever had related to Van John is that Cantillon um, thing is in those barrels that you see at Cantillon yeah. with the clear ends, so you can see the floor. Those are incredible. That beer, the, the La Vies Belge, is one yeah. of the best Cantillon, one of the best lambics I've ever had, bar the Dreyfontein and uh, Sherry stuff, which they're weirdly releasing four new batches of next month. Yes, the Zena E from Terra, yeah. which I never got to try the first time. I saw they released that this weekend, yeah. and I saw that the um, what you dec- the decanter yeah. is like a it looks like a cold brew coffee drip. Yeah, that's it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous. But I think the Jura they grow a lot of uh, Chardonnay, um, which yes. is the main kind of grape, and then for reds the Poussar. Is the uh, Poussard and is it is it Trousseau? And Trousseau, yeah. But Pinot Noir is not something that I would see a lot of. So and this this is for for a Pinot. Um, it's light. It's lighter than a normal Pinot. It's, it's mega juicy. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's kind of ribenery. Like it's yeah. It's phenomenal. So what was I saying? Something about being. We were in five miles. I was interjecting. We, we were talking about uh, the origins, like like the the convoluted origins of Pellicle. You you'd been to America and you you had you t- you'd taken a film camera. You'd sold all your digital cameras, but you took your film cameras with you. Yeah, too. I was kind of like get, trying to get back into, it, and I thought, well, this would be. I was traveling by myself, seeing a lot of areas, and you know, feeling stifled, like I said, creatively, and I was like, I'm going to make the zine and. Uh, just put out some photography 
from this trip kind of mainly focused on producers of mixed fermentation stuff. So I was going to go to Highland Park, who have a really cool, like, they're doing, like, cool ship stuff, and their Sarbier and Saisons are fantastic. I was going to Modern Times, who, you know, Andrew's got an amphora, like myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're He doing... makes some fantastic beer. I've, I've been lucky enough to visit um, Modern Times, and Andrew showed me around um, and uh, uh, got to try some of their their early barrel releases uh, it's, it, it's it was one of my favourite places in San Diego for sure yeah and then I was going obviously to um, Firestone Walker Barrel Works which is like one of the biggest like 2,000 barrels whatever mm-hmm. and very jealous about that yeah I've been there a couple of times now it's it's cool and it's really it was really nice to go to that and I also going to wine country for the first time went to Santa Barbara went to Santa Inez which is uh, where Sideways was filmed yes. and that's kind of where off the, where that's where the festival was held and then I was going to like Colorado sorry to Utah to go to a distillery and it was like it's also incredibly beautiful you've got like some we, of the most amazing scenery yeah we spent we were in it, like Park City Salt Lake kind of, so it wasn't like Southern Utah which is more like the kind of valleys Mon- Monument and, Valley and all that yeah, yeah it was like more Park City which was we stayed did you see the Salt Lake, the Great Salt Lake? Uh, no, I saw it in the, on, the, on the flight. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've also seen it from a plane. Yeah, so it was it was awesome. But with Park City, I mean, it was the most insane place I've been to because I'd just come from San Diego and LA and took like a short flight. And the weather had gone from 32 degrees Celsius in LA. And the, the first night I stayed in Salt Lake, it snowed about a foot overnight. Yeah. Sorry, in Park City. Because you were at altitude. Yeah, but the crazy thing was that when I took photos, which is which are some of my favorite, my favorite photos I took that trip, I've never seen autumn colors with snow. It was such an insane thing because I had yeah. all these trees covered in like covered in leaves, which that, were changing color. They're like orange, and there is the the yellows, and then there's snow. It's quite a dramatic part of the world. I've not spent much time in Utah, but Colorado and, and, and Wyoming in, in the Rockies, and to see the, the Aspens in particular, uh, the way they suddenly change. Quite late in the year, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, as speaking as a photographer, just to, to, to see those colours, it's mad. I've never but seen I've it. never seen it with snow. Yeah, it was mental. Because usually the snow comes a bit later. And then the next day the snow was gone, so I had like all the... And then it, I went to, to Denver and uh, with the plans to brew at Crooked Stave, and I was going to, and I went to. Oh, I went, you went to Port Collins, didn't you? Went to see some music. That, that was a, a very last minute pl- trip where I looked up Airbnb in. Uh, I was also in Colorado. I was staying with my friend uh, Owen, who works at Stranahan's. So I had all these kind of trips. It was it was my holiday, three weeks, but I also planned all these wineries and distilleries mm. and breweries as you do into, and then ended up with a last minute trip to uh, New Belgium. Thanks to a contact, uh, Katie. Thanks, Katie, who put me in touch with... Katie from White Frontier? Yes. Awesome. Well done, Katie. She put me in touch with uh, all the people, amazing people in New Belgium who showed me around. And I had just... I stayed for the night in New Belgium... Sorry, in uh, Fort Collins. I could sleep in that food room, though. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It was the one of the highlights of the trip. And just to go there and... I mean... This, just to see the freight train was was mental. I mean, you you spent a lot of time in Fort Collins. I do. So my dad, he my dad, who's we're from, my family is from Lincolnshire, 
but he works in agriculture. He's now retired, retired last year, but he got a job in Fort Collins. Well, he got a job in America, and Fort Collins happened to be where he ended up settling. Um, and he's been there for nine years, um, and Fort Collins is my home from home. So so I go twice yeah. a year at least. When it, like, And flights get cheaper every year because of what, it's quite competitive, the route between London and Denver. So um, it's easier to go now than it is than it was to go uh, nine years ago, which is bizarre. But I, yeah, and also I go to the Craft Brewers Conference in the spring, so I can always go and see my dad, because that's always in a different city. Uh, but it was actually in Denver uh, this year, which was kind of annoying, because I always go to bloody Denver. But Denver's actually become pretty amazing. I, um, it's got so much going on. But yeah, so Fort Collins is... Um, so when you were there, I get... I was Quite a lot of people I know have managed to go because... It, it's weird for me because I've been so many times but when someone I know gets to go um, it's you know it's it's almost like if someone from the US visits London and I show them around um, that's how I feel when someone goes to Fort Collins because it's it is this I'm going in two weeks I, I, you know and I have my my routine down now like I'll get off the plane and like I don't even feel the jet lag. It's just like settling into a routine. I go and get my sandwich from Choice City. I go and get my beers at the Mare, sit in the patio at New Belgium and, and Odell. Get, and then my biggest tip. So I was with your, your colleague, soon to be former colleague, Nick Dwyer. Uh, we had a great time there this spring because he was over for the Craft Brewers Conference. And uh, uh, I took him to Zwei Brewing, who make Pilsners, and they just make amazing Pilsners. And he's like, oh, Matt, they sell it by, uh, they do it by the mass. I'm like, yeah, it's Monday. It's half price as well. So we just, we'd been drinking beer all day and we, the last thing we needed was a litre of Pilsner. But that's what we drank because it's amazing. So I, it's an amazing town. I had some Zwei on your recommendation at that restaurant. Is it in the corner? It's on a corner. It might be called Choice. No, is it? Uh, Choice City, the, the the sandwich place? No, it's not that. It was like a like, kind of fancy-ish kind of like big bar uh, that, could be, that could be anywhere. I don't know. It did nice food. I had, I had some nice pasta there. Okay. It was it was on the walk from New Belgium in the town. I know. I, yeah, I know. I know. I know the one you. But I had some zwei there, and it was delicious because I was on the. I, yeah, I hit up all the places in Denver that you're meant to go to. All the it snowed again in Denver. I had to go buy a jacket. Went to True, which was incredible, mainly because I just loved that. I got shut in true in a sh- in a in a bl- in a bomb cyclone. Uh, that's a, so it was a bomb cyclone is when the temperature re- that was that trip, wasn't it? The, yeah, it reduces the temperature. Go- it's like it's, it go. It was basically it was twenty seven one day and then minus ten the next day. Jeez. A snowstorm. But the Uber I, I had one Uber driver saying, "Go to your hotel, get some food from the Seven Eleven, don't go out." And I'm like, but I'm in Denver, and I'm like, oh, I want to go to all these places. So I booked an Uber out, and this guy turns up, and he had chains on his tires. So there, were no, there was no one on the road, but there were Ubers out with like winter tires on, driving everyone around in this blizzard, and it was mad. Um, uh, ended up just bombing around Denver, hitting some bars, but it was sort of kind of snowed in and true. If if, it, if we were snowed in, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. But I did manage to get back to my motel. As much as I love that place, I'd say getting snowed in at that place if they kept playing the music out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I I love it. I love their when they play the groovy stuff. I'm all about it. When it's when it's uh, no math metal and boozing, but like the and groovy stuff is perfect. Drinking well, I went music. there and next door there there was a great vintage shop. Thankfully, because I needed the bad jacket because I hadn't weirdly 
in September packed to go I checked the weather forecast it was all sun 30 degrees in all the places I was going and then obviously the weather changed not dissimilar to not as, as extreme but you know Colorado was meant to be nice whenever I went there and it was at the end of it it was like still shorts and t-shirt weather yeah I went to True went to Cerebral went to Beerstead went to all the big hairs and did you get a hogshead though? Hogshead oh the Cascale guys the ca- yeah I think no. the guys from Watford uh, make some it's one of the few proper Cascale breweries in the US um, our mutual friend they make some went incredible there. beer went there I did a lot of lime scooting around time yeah um, which was me too I don't think I should be allowed especially when you indulge in Denver's other side that's for a future podcast I did that and then once you hit the dispensaries everything's like I shouldn't be doing I shouldn't be riding around on this bloody thing well I did that in the in the <laughs> Bearing in mind my first time at Colorado, and I had just come from Utah, which is higher in altitude, but for some reason I felt that I got more affected by the altitude, whether it's legit it's or probably not. Probably the weed. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, at In Denver, and yeah, I was lime scooting around in the rain, pulling like mad uh, skids on the way to Beerstad. And then realized that the thing I was looking forward to the most, we've digressed a lot, but we have. Chatting, uh, that the thing that I was looking forward to the most, the slow pour pills from Beerstad, because a guy from it's a lot of ceremony, isn't it? Well, a guy Brandon from Tired Hands came and visited me in June or like or May last year after CBC in Copenhagen. He came and uh, Andrew actually put me in touch with him, and he wanted he was coming. He wanted to come to the brewery, and he taught me about slow pours because they'd been doing them quite a lot at uh, their stall in Copenhagen uh, Prayer Church is that what it's called? Prayer it's like their fooder aged uh, pilsner that Tired Hands do okay I've not had it Prayer something uh, it's probably very good yeah, I'm wearing great. a Tired Hands t-shirt yeah. look. I'm a fan so I'd been aware of the slow pour movement and that work I'd been kind of annoying people all summer by just like slow pouring everything and uh, we'd been brewing quite a lot of pilsners last year and uh, one became a Brett Pilsner, which was kind of inspired by that beer. And when I finally got there and wasn't pouring it myself, I realized how annoying it is because I go oh, there. The first and time like, I went to Beerstadt Lagerhouse, and the, the Pilsner is delicious, but waiting five to seven minutes for your beer. But when it you was want dead as well, there was no one else there. I got into it. Once you've had, like, the first one's the annoying one because then you start timing once it. Once you're in the groove, you're good. You're like, and they come up to you and they go, Do you need another beer? And you're like, if it was a normal pub you'd say no but you have to work in that it's going to take another five to seven minutes to pour it so you go yes I will and it's almost like the kind of cologne system with you got to keep telling they should work out that yeah that they, you only need to tell them when well, to like, stop um, in, in in the Czech Republic when you when you finish a beer they, they don't ask you for another one they just bring you another mm. one but speaking of the Czech Republic and there's one brewery in in, in Massachusetts Notch who make incredible pilsners um, and they do a fast pour because they have the Czech pour taps but if you go to Prague they th- they just throw the beer into the glass like and so I think the slow pour thing is a bit of marketing spiel but they they also do a, a fast pour Heffa no? at um, maybe Beerstad it, it's interesting it, I also know that um, Coors there's, I can't remember the name of it but there is a beer out there in, in Denver in Colorado uh, from cause that is mimics um, the beer stat slow pour. It's become 
a bit of a, a marketing gimmick. Um, it is true that like lots of lovely aroma is in the head uh, and the foam, and the foam is like my favourite part great. of the beer. It does look great, but I, you know, also you know, you see the Czech uh, tapsters do a Mlicko, um milk pour or some, or or Hledinka or and schnitt um, when they just pour it half beer, half foam, and they just basically throw it out the tap. But it's set up to do it like that, so it'd be interesting. Coming soon on Pellicle, an article about slow pour, slow pour versus fast pour. We talked about it a long time ago, and that brings us back to why we've digressed so much. All these places I was going to visit, I was like, I'm going to make a zine about this stuff because I just wanted something to do. It wasn't, it wasn't like a business opportunity. You just needed a creative outlet. Yeah, I just, I, I'm a very impatient and short attention span person who needs things to do. Mm -hmm. And I'd gone from working, you know, a degree, I'd done a degree in chemistry, then in straight into a degree in brewing and then straight into a job and then straight into another job. And especially at Beaver Town for the first, I mean, like whenever I started, there was 19 employees and now there's over a hundred. We grew so fast and things were just like always constantly moving. And I'd be doing every festival because I loved it. You know, I was, you know, do you want to go to Madrid? Of course I want to go to Madrid. Do you want to go to Copenhagen? Of course I want to go to Copenhagen. And then you reach a point where it's just like, oh man, this is draining me. This is too much. Like the fun kind of starts to sap out of it and you realize when you work in beer some people thrive on those events but I've done a lot of festivals this year and it's you know you've got to look after yourself it's, yeah. it takes a lot out of you it's not even just that it's more just like when you start getting more into it and you start doing sensory and you start going to all events that you realize that the thing you they always say, they say don't make your your hobby your job and that uh, I don't, we've, both, we've both failed. We've both failed, and then I've, we've you know I've taken my hobby. My next. If hobby. I ever start writing about running, which I'm actually just writing an article about running for a beer magazine, mm-hmm. which is terrible. Uh, so ignore what I've just said. So yeah, don't make your hobby your job. But that's exactly what we've done. Yeah, but but it's the main thing is that I I was going to write this 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 thing, and I kind of saw Matt and was I had a few beers and was lamenting about. You know, I'm buying all these Noble Rots and I'm buying all these wine magazines and they're amazing. Why is no one doing it for beer? Good beer hunting's great and all these other, like, you know, Hop and Barley are great, but there's just... it. It's very... For me, um, there are so many great stories out there and as someone who has been writing about beer for seven years and professionally for about five years, full-time for three and a half years, there's not enough time to... to you think you can write about all these breweries and all these producers and all these beers and then all these ciders, then all these wines, um, all these bourbons, all these coffees, all these wonderful things you're into. There actually just isn't uh, enough time. Uh, you don't have the the, the, the resource to, to do it. There's, there's stories I've wanted to write. Like, like um, I went to visit um, Burning Sky, which is one of the most wonderful breweries in the country if not the world it took me two years to, to find the time to write that piece to the point where it became an in-joke between me and Mark Transer like can't wait to read that piece and I'm like yeah I'm, I'm writing it and like it was just pulling together all this information the Harvey's Best piece we, we published um, that, was, that was over two years since I visited the brewery and that idea had always been there and it was just kind of waiting for the time but Pellicle uh, it's not just about what we want to 
read. It's about people being able to pitch us, all these brilliant writers and photographers and illustrators that have come to us and gone, I've got this idea. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, we want to we want to read that. And it's... It, it's it, that this is when you came to me with the idea, the name Pellicle was what you said, and and that's what stuck. It, 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 so a Pellicle is it is as you described it to me, uh, something disgusting, but you need it to make something beautiful. That's how you described it to yeah. me at the time. So if you don't know what a Pellicle is, if you, you if you ferment a beer with with Brett, Brett makes a Pellicle. Brett, yeah. Brett primarily, uh, primarily, but bacteria and 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 yeast. Um, will form in a barrel aged mixed fermentation beer will form a, a skin it's also called a floor F-L-O-R mm-hmm. uh, in sherry making it forms a, a quite a, a or relating to what we're drinking now in Van John in the Jura yeah uh, sherry as well a veil a veil the, the, yeah uh, like so that. that's why in the Jura they have uh, wines that are referred to as uh, Su or Sur Um, and basically it means if the barrel's been topped up or not so when you talk about Jura wine they all come in this bowl Mm. um, the 750s the kind of drinking wines and then the Van John obviously comes in 620s yeah uh, but which represents the amount of evaporation over seven years of aging in barrel Mm. under the the veil Mm. Uh, but when you talk to Jura producers you talk to them about if the barrel's been topped up or not and what you're referring to is it being aged under floor or veil or pellicle, or has it been topped up? Because you're getting. I feel too, like I've been topped up. Too, this has been topped up, probably. It's it's more of a white wine. I'm topping thing. you up right now. He's topping me up. But <laughs> so, there, it, it's a very dis- distinct difference because what you're asking is it is an oxidative style wine. Is it going to have these like off? flavors i'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. uh or is it going to be a clean wine so you can get chardonnays from the jura that are with or without veil mm-hmm. and basically what you're you're asking is is it going to taste like a chardonnay like i'm used to or is it going to taste weird and oxidative and slightly uh yeah like van john i think this tangent is brilliant because what we haven't really talked about was what i wanted to talk about <laughs> on this on this episode which was why we started Pellicle and what we've done is instead we've it. instead we've talked about the travel we've been doing we've talked about the beers we've been enjoying um, we haven't talked about cider but we will talk about cider a lot in the future because we, we love cider we've talked about the wines we've been enjoying and and that's when we sat down so the idea formulated in this sort of like drunken evening at five miles and then it started to crystallize very quickly and suddenly it became a reality and you know we were buying urls and 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 you know i was phoning jenna hotburns and black who i got this wine from um i actually i subscribed to their wine club uh because they just send me three i'm learning about natural wine and they send me three bottles a month and it's so and they also sponsored the website so shout out to those guys for being being this awesome is also and, like one of the best wines i've had in a long time yeah it, it's brilliant and um but what what this conversation is i wanted to just talk about oh yeah this is our ethos this is our philosophy but we've explained that because all we've talked about is all this amazing stuff we're eating and drinking and, and tasting and that's what pellicle is about it's about uh this crystallization of this this joy we get from all of this stuff it's um it's 
you know, it's about that first pint at the end of the day. It's about sniffing uh, that wine you've been saving for a special occasion. It's about sharing that cider with someone. It's about that pork chop you had, or I don't know. I don't know what. I think I want to eat a pork chop right now. But that's that's pellicle, and it's and then beyond that, it's not just about Johnny and I. We get to to, to read all these fantastic submissions, but we get to also email people like like Katie Mather and Claire Bullen and Lily Waite, David Nielsen in Ohio, uh, Alex Jewell and, and Owen Walsh and all these amazing, talented people. Tida, who did our logo, Tida Bradshaw, she's she's a genius. Um, you know, getting to work with all these people is an extension of basically us getting drunk and saying, magazines are great, but, let, but there's, there's so many stories still not being told. Um, and I think everyone there's so much good stuff out there already but there's still so much that's only like a that's like a one percent of what's actually happening in food and drink and and we're just going to add a tiny drop to that and gradually talk more about food and drink to people and my ambition with pellicle is if someone who loves wine comes and reads one of our wine features um we've got some really stuff really amazing stuff uh, planned uh, feature on Black Book in London feature on Anchor Hill in Wales some amazing stuff and if someone comes and read, reads that piece and then goes oh I'm going to stick around and they read about beer and they read about cider or if someone comes in to read about Harvey's Best which we just published recently and then goes oh, I'm going to stick around and like oh Tom Oliver I've heard of this guy and reads about cider bringing all of these cultures together that, that was kind of like where it came from because the, the two of us it's it's about this gastronomic adventure in a way it's like we just love tasting all this stuff but like can we love beer and wine and cider and everything else as much i mean that's that's our sort of triage of of what we're focused on but that's for now maybe in the future we'll bring some other stuff we love into it but that that that's kind of this conversation has been about that which kind of sums up pellicle in a way Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you'd like to support the content we produce at Pellicle, please consider supporting us via Patreon. You can sign up by visiting patreon.com forward slash Mag. Please also consider leaving us a review in your podcast app of choice, as this will help more people find the show. Until next time, I've been your host, Matthew Curtis, and you've been listening to the Pellicle Podcast. Podcast.